What's going on, guys? Welcome to Looking Ahead to Better Days. I am your host, Chris. Uh, sorry about the absence last week. Um, I hope that week off uh, gave you a little bit of time to catch up and listen to all of the other great episodes um, I have out there. I do have some campaign news for you. So before we get into our discussion, I'm going to go ahead and bring on a special guest uh, who has a special message for us. Um, so I'd like to introduce Matt Weinstein. Thanks, Chris. Um, so again, my name is Matt Weinstein. By day, I'm an attorney up here in Northern Virginia. And by night and by weekend, I'm state counsel for the Beto campaign in Virginia. And the first and most important task that I am taking on is overseeing the petition process. And what that means essentially is that in Virginia, you need to get 5,000 signatures, 200 from each of Virginia's 11 congressional districts to get any presidential candidate on the ballot for the Democratic primary. Um, this is obviously very important because if Beto is not on the ballot, then you cannot vote for Beto in the primary. It's that simple. Uh, Virginia has one of the more complicated processes, and since the state is pretty politically hmm, disjointed, I guess I would say, it's easier to get signatures up here in Northern Virginia than it is in the rest of the state, particularly in Southwest Virginia and Southside Virginia. So we're talking Roanoke down to, uh, you know, uh, the Tennessee border, Danville. It's very difficult to get signatures down there. So I really need help. Um, what I'm looking for is basically anyone who has time to circulate the petitions and I have the forms and, um, and of course I'll circulate them. If you email me at Matthew, dot weinstein at beto o'rourke.com and i'll walk you through the process uh it's very simple you just have to be a permanent resident in virginia or sorry a permanent resident in the united states and have time and energy and a willingness to help out beto so with that i'm happy to answer questions you might have chris um so if you're in a different state um what would the timeline like i know it's this we said december for virginia mm-hmm yeah, so Virginia is one of the earliest states. It might actually be the first state that you have to get this done. So we have to turn in all the petition signatures on December 12th in Virginia. So that's four months from you know, this week. And uh, yes, so four months from this week. And it's a big deal because back in 2012, only, I believe, two candidates in the Republican primary got on the ballot, Mitt Romney and Ron Paul. So there will be many, many candidates in the Democratic primary who don't get on. So, yeah, it's a four months sprint to the finish line and got to get better on the ballot. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the, the most, I mean, like we can't, we can support him all we want, but if he's not on the ballot, we can't vote for him. So what, what you're doing out there and what you're, what you're pushing is really, really important. So if you guys are in, in Virginia, get in touch with Matt. Um, and let's, let's get some of these names on ballots. I know in my area down in Hampton Roads, we could really use some extra help. Um, but, uh, but with that being said, uh, I want to, before I'm, I let you go, actually, Matt, I want you to tell me what kind of, you know, led you to, to work for the Beto campaign. Like what, what inspired you to come work for Beto? Sure. Um, well, the first thing of course was his, his race last year. I was very inspired by the race he ran and, you know, I've been working in politics. Well, I worked in politics before law school, during law school, after law school. And, um, you know, I do it kind of part time now. And I've seen many, many politicians who seem like they're saying what they think they want their voters or the audience to hear. And Beto so, is so clearly and so obviously genuine. Um, so I was really inspired by that last year. And then this year, um, you know, one of my colleagues from the McAuliffe campaign put me in touch with the campaign because they were looking for some 
help in Virginia on the legal side of things. And, it's, you know, in politics, it's all about serendipity and it, that's just how it lined up. So it's been a great experience. Um, and I'm ha very, obviously very happy to be helping better out as much as I can. Yeah, it's, that's fantastic. Like just, I don't, pe I don't think people know just how many working parts this campaign has. And Matt is a very, very important part. So I want you guys, if you can get out and help, and even if you're not in Virginia, get in contact with the campaign in your state, find out when your, you, your petitions are due so that you can help get those signatures. Cause it's very, very important. But, uh, with that, uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Sure. Thank you for your message. And can I just make one more pitch? So if you're not in Virginia and you're willing to come to Virginia and help out and get signatures, great. Email me again at Matthew dot weinstein at betterorourke.com and if you are in virginia of course email me i'd love to have your help but if you're in another state and you can't make it out here email delegates d-e-l-e-g-a-t-e-s at betterorourke.com and we can plug you in with the petition process in your state that is awesome there we go that's plenty of questions answered again matt thank you so much All right thanks chris before we get on to the discussion i have some better news for you um, obviously last week was a, a very tragic week with, um, what happened in El Paso and Dayton. Um, it obviously pulled Beto off of the campaign trail. Um, he found out like five to 10 minutes what was taking place, um, before going on stage in Las Vegas and, and in Nevada. Um, he still went on stage, still gave a, I mean, just an absolutely amazing speech. Um, and he, 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 you could tell that he was, he was, he was hurting. Um, he immediately left the campaign, went back to El Paso. Um, and then he became the de facto leader in this country. Let's be serious. Um, Beto has been the representative of everybody in El Paso. He has been their voice. Um, and no more so than when Donald Trump came to visit, um, everybody there was telling him not to come. Beto immediately called the attack what it was, um, a, an attack on the town of El, uh, of El Paso because of the white supremacist rhetoric that Donald Trump has been exuding in our country. And he is absolutely, absolutely destroying us at our very foundation. And it is very, very apparent, um, that, that, that is, that's what's taking place. I mean, this kid, the guy who did it, he drove six hours to El Paso because Donald Trump put El Paso on the map as a place that is dangerous and it's one of the safest cities in the country. It's absolutely mind-blowing that this is something that we are talking about right now. It shouldn't be. Like, if Donald Trump doesn't open his mouth, we don't may not have this issue. And, and for us to be able to even say that, we may not be talking that we may not be talking about El Paso because of a shooting. If Donald Trump didn't say something, that is an issue. His white supremacist rhetoric, his racist rhetoric, and let, let's not hedge any bets. Donald Trump's a white supremacist. He's, he's a racist. It's, it's very apparent in his actions. We don't have to go and look for evidence. He gives us the evidence every single day. Um, I mean, as soon as El Paso happens, um, then within two days, they arrest 680 migrants working in a chicken factory in Mississippi. 
you know, you ha- now you have Ken Cuccinelli coming out and saying that, you know, they're going to change the, uh, the st- saying on the Statue of Liberty, you know, who, people who can stand on their own two feet and that bullshit. It's awful. Ken Cuccinelli, by the way, does not represent Virginia. He's, he's, I mean, Republicans don't even like him. So that should tell you everything that you need to know. But unfortunately, El Paso wasn't, um, was not the only shooting within 13 hours we lost 31 people um the uh the shooting in in dayton happened that evening That was exactly 30 seconds. No, your sound isn't off. Your phone didn't shut off. That was 30 seconds. That's how long the shooter in Dayton was firing before police killed him. In 30 seconds, he was able to kill nine people and injure more. Guns are an issue, ladies and gentlemen. That 30 seconds, nine people died. Beto O'Rourke goes out back on the campaign trail tomorrow. He will be out there. He's making a speech in the morning, and then he'll resume. And it, you're, you're going to see a new Beto O'Rourke. I promise you. He's fired up, and he's 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 taking it to the people that he, who came to his city, and that includes Donald Trump, white supremacy, racism, um, immig- uh, racist racist based immigration, all of that stuff. He is he he is coming, and he's coming with a vengeance, and it's it's it's. It's inspiring um, from from my point of view as a, as a supporter and as an American to see somebody stand up and do something about about something that's happening and come off as real. I mean, he he called out the media, you know, uh, what the fuck media? Come on, like seriously, you're, you connect the dots. You need they need to be doing these things. Don't ask him if President Trump's a racist. That's not the question to ask. Right? He made that point. He's calling out the people who are directly responsible, and that that includes the 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 media. Uh, it's I mean, don't ask a question you already know the answer to. So today we're going to be talking about gun reform, and to talk about gun reform, I brought on a special guest. Um, my guest is Ryan Holiday. Hey guys, I'm Ryan. I am a senior systems engineer. Uh, I computer nerd, political junkie, and a huge betomaniac. All right, very cool, man. Go ahead and um, since, as as we all know, you're you're a Beto fan. Um, why Beto? Why 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 do you support Beto? Well, I think there are lots of reasons why anybody picks a candidate. Um, you know, the, the, we could talk about like his charisma. We could talk about his passion or the fact that he listens to people. But to me, the thing that I think really stood out is, you know, he's a man of action. He he shows the fuck up he will go out there and he will work for you and he will bust your his ass for you he will not ask you to do anything that he's not willing to do himself um and i kind of tell the story and to tell the story i kind of give need to give a little history about what he accomplished here in the senate race in texas you know before he ran we had these pockets of resistance all over the place you had a pocket in houston a pocket in dallas a pocket in austin um and but they were all disconnected and they weren't very well organized and they were really 
almost stale. They only focused on local elections, local races. And all we had was a national Democrats. And all they would do is come in. They would do a rally in Austin because they would get good TV pictures out of it. And then we'd go to Dallas. They would do a bunch of fundraising. And then they would leave with our money and expect our votes and not do anything for the state. And that's something that I think a lot of people down here really turned us off on politics, you know, besides being gerrymandered and frozen out of elections and besides the voter ID issues that we have. um, You know, we just didn't felt like our party wanted it and nobody was willing to fight for us. And that's something I think Beto really changed fundamentally about the state politics here in Texas. You know, he didn't just... when he said he hit all 254 counties, I don't think people understand how massive that is. These aren't like small counties in Montana where you hit one little town in the corner and you get half the you count, count half the state. No, these are small counties. They're not very big. You know, they don't have a lot of people in them to begin with, and there's a bunch of them all over the state. And he hit every one of those two, three, four times. And he put more effort into those counties than those Republican uh, congressmen put in. I mean, I give this story personally. I live here in uh, Galveston, uh, Texas' 14th congressional district. My Republican congressman, uh, Randy Weber, who was a Tea Party darling, came by one time to mow the grass at the post office, get his picture taken for the paper, and leave. And that's the entire extent of, of that my congressman's campaigning in my city. Beto showed up three times. He came once in the primary. He had a big rally over at Shrimp and Stuff, had about 200 people. He came another time at the spot, had about maybe 30 people, more activists, a little bit more closer. I actually got to meet him and talk to him in person there, shook his hand, got a picture with him, didn't have to pay $500 to do it. Um, it's usually and- pretty nice. Yeah. Oh, he, he's that's nice. very nice. <laughs> and then he came back again um, right after he got uh, while he was in the middle of the action. He got 1300 people in Galveston to show up. Now, that's unheard of. I mean, to put that in perspective, this this is the deepest of deepest red Texas that exists. I mean, my county and this area includes places like Vider, which was the which was the former home of the Ku Klux Klan. It concludes places like Beaumont, which we had major race riots in the world. You know, these are some very deep-seated, you know, structural issues down here. And he campaigned. He didn't just write people off down here. He came down multiple times, and he fought for our votes. And in response, we fought for him. Not only did we fight for him, but we also... Not only did we fight for him and we made a big change, and not only did we really push the needle a lot, but we also made Republicans expect more out of their politicians. And that's something that I think that really is kind of getting undersold about what uh, Beto accomplished down here. You know, it wasn't just that now suddenly we have somebody who's fighting for us, now somebody who showed us how to do it and shows that there is hope if someone's willing to fight for it, but also managed to get Republicans to say, hey, why isn't my politician fighting for it? Why isn't Randy Weber down here, you know, holding three rallies when Beto's down here running, holding three rallies? And I said this before, it it worked. Not only did it drag Democrats out of the out of the woodworks and not only did it drag us out of the dark ages, it also got Republicans to kind of pull their head out of their ass a little bit. I mean, 
the so Texas has a legislative cycle of every two years. We don't actually meet every year. We meet every other year. So the last legislative cycle, uh, they made a huge priority about pushing a bathroom ban and banning transgender people out of the bathrooms. You know, this legislative cycle, when we came around, I know if you remember, and I remember listening to your episode, you talked about all the abortion laws that got passed all across the country. Mm -hmm. Texas didn't participate that in those laws. Every other time, Texas would have been right there, you know, generating those laws and fighting those lawsuits. And they sat on the sidelines and they sat on the sidelines and instead they passed school finance reform. You know, they're scared and now suddenly they're noticing that they have to pay attention to their voters too. So when I say Beto made a fundamental change in politics in the state, I mean, it was much more fundamental than just. Democrats coming out. It was really almost repairing our democracy. And that's really what I think got me excited about Beto uh, nationally running for president was, you know, what he accomplished in Texas. Texas is not unique. I've lived in D.C. I've lived in Philly. I've lived in other countries. The liberals and Democrats in Texas are not unique to any other different parts of the country. Maybe we talk a little bit differently. Maybe there's a few different issues we care about slightly more different, but it's not any different. But he can actually unite us, and that's what he really proved is that he can unite us not only with the Democrats, not only the independents, but the Republicans too. And if we could do that for the country, I mean, we're talking a generational shift. And I'm not talking just about Texas. I mean, obviously, if Texas went blue, that would be a generational shift. But, you know, the rest of the country, you know, North Carolina, Florida, uh, you know, all these, even, you know, places like Alabama and getting Doug Jones reelected. I mean, if you care about these things and you care about, you know, bringing you know, everybody to the table and pulling our country out of the dark, dark ages. That's what you need. You need somebody who can reach across the aisle. And I think that's why I get so excited about Beto. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's written the book. Like if you want to change politics in, in America, Beto O'Rourke wrote that book. He created the blueprint. And I, you actually made a really good point that I don't think it's um, picked up enough. And it's about the change in the Republicans that are there. Now, John Cornyn hasn't been affected by it. As you can tell, he still is an asshole. Um, <laughs> but, but somebody like Ted Cruz, like you can see it. Like Ted Cruz oh, yeah. had that whole election cycle. Then, I mean, bearded Ted Cruz. Like, exactly. where did that come from? And, <laughs> exactly. and some of the stuff that you've seen from him, like, um, the, the, it was just a couple of tweets and I don't know what's come of it since then, but like the kind of partnership between, uh, AOC and Ted Cruz, you can see it, it's, it's a little bit different. And I'm telling, talking about somebody who's watching from a national stage, mm -hmm. but exactly what you're talking about is happening, na happening nationally. Oh yeah. And it's um, happening like, local too. I can give an example, um, Tarrant County is the largest um, Republican urban stronghold in the country. It's Fort Worth, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, Beto flipped that blue. Just that, that was been one of our holdouts for a long time. We thought it was going to stay Republican for a long time, and Beto flipped that. In that process, he broke that local party. Um, in order to start kind of reforming their image, Tarrant County, I think, I can't remember if it's the president or the commissioner or whoever is in charge of the GOP, um, he appointed a vice chair who was Muslim. And I think this actually made national news, that vice chair was Muslim, and about 
there was a huge outcry among their, the, the core of their party, and there was actually enough people that they forced it to a vote and tried to kick him out on entirely racist terms. That was defeated, and it was defeated by about 75% to 25%. And so the, the person said, and the people who voted against it, many of them left the party. A lot of them said to hell with you, and they left, and they got back, and they left. So even locally, it's, it's we see it affecting here. I mean, I say the same thing when I go back and forth. Um, I drive up of I-45 every day. I normally used to see Infowars uh, stickers and Trump signs all over the place. Now the only political sticker I see is leftover Beto signs. That's so it's that's it's happening. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's definitely it's definitely in in mm-hmm. like. I've, I've felt very much like I was the only person in Virginia, kind of, until recently when we've started, we're starting to get signatures for him to be on the ballot. And, and you're really seeing a lot of us. There's there's more than I, I originally thought. And that's that's important. Um, because just like you said, it kind of seemed like small pockets in Texas to begin and then it exploded. And I think it's really starting to explode um, nationwide. There's a poll that came out that had him polling at, I want to say 6%. It may have been four, but I'm pretty sure it was six. Um, don't quote me on it. It's been, it's been very recent. I think it came out today. Not that polls matter because they poll 400 people and say they speak for the country. So <laughs> whatever. But still, you know, that's a it, you can see where he's starting to kind of take off. And that's going to bring us into um, our discussion for the day because he's he's in the news for these, uh, you know, what what for really not good reasons but he's taken it and he's really done really well with it and it's because of the human reaction Mm -hmm. and you can tell that specifically in some of the ways he's handled the media and this specifically um we're we're talking about the um atrocities in Mm -hmm. el paso and dayton and he also tied in chicago because chicago had a lot of gun violence that weekend as well um and that's going to bring us to our discussion that's that's gun control um, gun control is a something that in this country that we have discussed over and over and over again, and we talk about it to death when something happens, and then we forget about it. And it's especially mm-hmm. egregious right now because the, with the Trump administration, it's distraction, 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 distraction from the distraction of the distraction, essentially. Mm-hmm. But Beto is not letting that happen. Um, we had 22 people die in El Paso, nine people die in, in Dayton. In a weekend, in 13 hours. Mm-hmm. And since then, Beto's been on literally any TV he can get on and almost exclusively calling out Donald Trump as a white supremacist racist, which he's right because 100%. the rhetoric that Donald Trump uses created El Paso. Oh, yeah. He may not have actually physically pulled the trigger, but El Paso was is is can be laid at Donald Trump's feet. He radicalized that that man. Absolutely. Um, he is no different than Charles Manson because Charles Manson didn't kill anybody. Nope. He he radicalized people and convinced them to do it through brainwashing, which is essentially what you see with Donald Trump. When you see people chanting, send her back mm-hmm. in rallies or lock her up, it's the same thing. It is oh, yeah. a mind altering thing. But we're not here to discuss Donald Trump. Fuck him. Whatever. Um, he's dude. Gun, gun control is a, is a really I work in a school. Those mm-hmm. my listeners know I'm a teacher. This past year, we had three threats of a shooting. Two of them were credible, and in one of them, the kids had a map of the school, the weapons, and they were coming the day that they stopped them. If it weren't wow. for one student who spoke up, because there was four of them who knew, one of them spoke up 
I mean, we we might not be having this conversation. I mean, it's as, as simple as that. Yeah. And it, dealing being is I, I there's something different about that. Now I'm I'm I would never speak to being to know even remotely trying to think what it was like to be somebody who's actually in one. But that was the longest day of school I've ever had. They were like, well, we're just telling you because it's going to be in the papers and this, that, and the other, which eventually never was. It ended up getting buried. But that was the longest day of, of my of my career in any job ever. I can't even begin to imagine um, what it would be like. Um, and a lot of... A lot of what you're seeing with a lot of this violence comes from one thing, and that's in the belief in white supremacy. And racial division and, and racial hate and again that comes from the white house oh 100 percent. and and not i mean and beto has been calling this out too not just the white house but the whole whole environment that donald trump is a part of that he that put him in the white house i mean it's not just trump trump is just the He's the mouthpiece. He's the mouthpiece. He's the he's he has so far been the best one to put racism to political gain, but he's not the only one. You know, he just happened to hit the highest office, but the entire system is racist to the core, all the oh, way down. Very. I mean, look at uh, we've talked about um, we, in our voting rights episode. We talked about what went on in Georgia, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's he he Trump is the mouthpiece. Well, Fox News is the one that gets it out to everybody. Mm -hmm. He gives them the headlines. He gives them the sound bites, and they run with it. Tucker exactly. Carlson last week, he he claimed white supremacy was a hoax. I, know. I hate it's, to break it to it's fucking, like, like no, it's a real thing. Just look at El Paso. I mean, we have twenty two examples right there. It's 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 no. Yeah, these people I, are I, the, the, these people are in delusion, and, and it goes back to that question of you know, are they just delusional? Are they just evil? Are they just you know just trying to rationalize themselves out of this? I mean, at some point, I, you kind of stop you know trying to justify it for them and just let their own words speak for themselves. I mean, I could you know I I, I have family and friends because I'm. I'm you know, obviously I have a lot of people who vote in my family who did vote for Trump, you know, you know, and, and it makes me wonder, like, do I consider them good people or not? Or not? Are they, you know, it really makes us question deeply this whole, like, what does it mean when Donald Trump is in power? And, you know, what does that say about all of us, all of us who allowed that to, to exist? I mean, you know, do we get do we do enough in 2016 to go out there and actually, you know, stop this when we had the chance to begin with? Well, now we have a chance in 2020. We need to go out there. So, you know, yeah, we it, absolutely it really, have to. It, it really makes me wonder. Question. I mean, you know, can America withstand validating this for another four years? You know, I don't know if if Donald Trump, if if what we've seen out of this White House and this administration and Fox News and, you know, invasion, invasion, invasion with the caravans. And I mean, just the Muslim ban stuff it. like and, that. I mean, I, I read that manifesto and there was just so many direct call outs to, uh, you know, Tibeto and what he's accomplished down here that, you know, it's just so 
I really question, you know, question what would come of this country if we let this go another four years. It, it, it's really concerning. They've been destroying the foundation of this country since 2016, mm-hmm. uh, arguably. Um, I don't know if we I mean, you're right. There won't be any, a foundation um, left. It's, yeah. it's 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 a real problem. It really is. <laughs> and, and, and like and you see all these videos where people are being blatantly racist. Oh, yeah. And it's it, with no problem, and and I know this ish, this episode's on gun control, but right now race is so important to that, because that's what's happening. Look at what happened in New Zealand. That New Zealand shooter went to two mosques, two incited Donald Trump, the president of the fucking United States, as the as, as one of the motivating factors, and that is mind blowing. I to know. Me. I, I it's it's just mind blowing. I mean, you know. To think that we, you know, after living through September 11 and after going through the whole, you know, leading up into the Iraq war and everything, and to think that, you know, now suddenly we are an exporter of terror. We are exporting it's, terror it's our main to export. other countries. Like, this is, this is not the America that I know, you know. No, this, it's definitely I mean, not where I grew up. No, I mean – yeah, racist is all racist always existed. You know, yes, you know, this person probably was racist outside of Donald Trump, but you can't tell me that in fact, you know, I don't even believe that. When I, when someone says that maybe he belie- maybe he wasn't racist because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump was on TV spewing birtherism for 7 years prior to becoming the president. For 10 years that Which president this, he would have he would have been a kid. Yeah, he was 10. So Donald Trump has been spewing racist shit on TV since that guy was 10. Now, yeah. tell me Donald Trump didn't contribute to the environment that radicalized him. He absolutely 100% did. And this exactly. is what is happening across the country. It happens in everything. We see it for people who may be not quite as deadly racist, but then they still decide to take their AR-15s and go walk around a Walmart the day after. You know, we saw, what was it? I think two or three copycats did that right after. He's, uh, yep. Missouri uh, or Mississippi was uh, one – um, some kid got arrested. I can't remember what state it was. I don't, I'm not going to throw one out there cause I can't remember, yeah. but he, he was arrested for planning a similar attack. Exactly. Like this, you know, it happens out there. It's, it's, it's out there. It, it's not in, and the problem is the way you stop that is you stop it by cutting off the mouthpieces. You can't go around and reform every race. I'm not going to be able to go around and reform every Trump voter. And I, you know, they're, they're going to have to hold themselves accountable for their vote. They're going to, have to hold themselves accountable for their statements. I can't do that. I don't have the power to do that for the God. But I can hold the people and the leaders in power. I can hold the symbols in power. And right now, Donald Trump is the epitome symbol of what is going wrong with this country you know he's not the only cause but he is certainly the biggest symbol and the biggest target that we that we need to tear down he's he's the golden calf essentially if you want to if we want to get biblical with this he's the golden calf like and and they treat him as such and i mean radicalism and all that stuff it's not new um and and we've had really a lot of this hatred and white supremacy it was kind of in the shadows and he made it okay and they came out Mm -hmm. i mean i've seen reports where i mean hate crimes go up exponentially in cities he holds a rally in after he was in north carolina um, some woman got kicked out of a bonefish grill for calling t- uh, two women of of color stupid n words. I mean, <laughs> are you like it's not? It doesn't. It does not 
take a rocket scientist like no. i can i'm if my son can talk he could probably say yeah well donald trump's racist like that's that's simple like i'm i've been here for 10 months and you know we watch a lot of tv i see him um he's racist yeah and and and, and you know one of the biggest things that pops out of me that really proves that is when he was elected i had a sixth grader come to me and say you know mr true um I heard Donald Trump is going to bring back slavery. And I had to answer that question for that child. Like, I didn't think I'd ever have to 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 um, answer a question like that. <laughs> Jesus. You know, yeah, I no, know no. my mother was the, uh, is, a, is a teacher out at uh, uh, Harden-Jefferson. I think it was Harden-Jefferson. Yeah, Harden-Jefferson. She was at the time, right? He got like answered the same question. You know, every – all the Hispanic kids uh, – we're getting bullied. People were screaming at the Hispanic kids in the hall, saying they're going to be get deported. And 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 it's even telling when one of the rallying cries. I don't know if I mean, if you've you know. I try not to make it a habit of watch these racist videos, but you know they they come up so often you can't help it. But it's telling when one of the rallying cries is they just start shouting Trump, 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 Trump over and over again, like it's some kind of war cry. You know, it's, it's, there's a direct link, a very direct link. And it's, it's so clear and blatantly obvious. And this is, and this is the other thing I'm realizing, you know, we're two white guys looking at this from the outside, looking in, you know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to be a minority in this, in this environment. I mean, you know, the, the, when I hear them talk, you know, the talk about the fear and the constant, just always worrying about someone's going to say something. You know, that's not a way to live. That's not how America is supposed to operate. And so, yeah, this is this need. This is this has become okay, And we need to stop that. We need to we need to end this. Absolutely. And and just to to go back to the uh, the Tucker Carlson Mm -hmm. white supremacy is a hoax thing. um, I can tell you firsthand that that shit is real, like 100 percent. I have family members who were KKK members, like much a little bit further back. They were very, very old when I was Mm -hmm. coming up. But I can tell you white supremacy is a real thing. I can tell you that, you know, I was I was told some of these things by these older family members who are now passed on and deceased that those kind of things. Now, I am an extremely intelligent person. And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Whatever you say, you're cute. Go sit down. It's it's wonderful. Yes, yeah. please stop talking to me. You smell like mothballs. <laughs> um, but, but but for real, it's it's been an issue, and it's been an issue, and there's been violence behind it. But that's just right now. Right now, the issue, and with a lot of the violence, because Dayton, we could we have no idea what caused that. That that is just a a shooting, a random a random shooting. Um, but El Paso was was racial. Mm-hmm. New Zealand was racial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Pittsburgh racial. It's there's a deep seated hatred here, but. We're arming these people. Mm-hmm. We're allowing them because we're not putting the the laws in place. And there's a there's a a, a tweet that comes around every single shooting, um, and which is super super sad. And it says something to the effect of, "We lost the gun control fight when we decided that killing kids was okay." Referring to Sandy Hook exactly. back in 2012, when you ha- we we had 26 small children. Four and five years old died. There is not a reason anybody on this planet should have an AR-15. I'll I'll, I'll give you an example of how easy it is to get an AR-15. My dad built one. 
Mm-hmm. He got a block of metal and made his own. It is that simple. I mean, like my dad's not a crazy person. He doesn't have an. He doesn't even have ammo for it. Um, but that's not something you should be able to do, right? Yeah, like yeah, in and, Texas, I could go buy one out of the back of somebody's car. Literally, I'll, as long as I can meet somebody on the side of a road, buy an AR-15 out of the back of their car, and walk away, and that's a hundred percent legal. I don't show him anything. Nothing. The only thing he has to know is that I'm not going to go immediately turn around and stick up a gas station. But as long as he doesn't explicitly know that, I can buy anything. And that's just that's just not right. That's not how it should be working. No, and it's definitely not with um, the way the Second Amendment is is written. Um, and there's a couple different arguments to that. And I'll, I'll actually bring up a, one that dates back to Thomas Jefferson here in a, in a second. But there is absolutely no reason that anybody should be able to have a 100 uh, like a, a 100 bullet drum to to that. Like why? Like that's not hunting. You're not hunting. You're hunting people at that point. It's not even. Well, that's the thing. A hundred round drum. Those things aren't even used in the army. You know, those things, they, they jam really easy. Um, I don't know if you remember the uh, Aurora, Colorado shooting, another mm-hmm. one. He had one of those. And the only reason why he didn't have a big body count is because one of those things jammed. You know, the only reason to have one is because you want to have fun at the, at the gun range. Yeah, and, and that that that's okay. Like that's if you want to go to a gun, I've been to it. I fired an AR-15. Oh, they're fun. I, 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 it's it's a good it's a fun time. We went on a bachelor party. I mean, I've shot guns my whole life. I grew up around guns. I was taught gr- gun safety, and that's one of the things that's maddening to me because you see a lot of these fuck nuts on TV mm-hmm. talking about or on on the internet. Oh, I got my gun. You can do this, and that, and like I, I, I'm proud to have it. And almost every single one of them is literally not using it properly. Like they're like <laughs> like the kid who is like. If you pull this trigger and pull cock the gun, he shoot shot a hole in his ceiling in his room. Mm-hmm. You know, some lady took a mm-hmm. picture of her AR-15 and it was mm-hmm. dirty. The uh, the cap to her scope was open. It was just you, you. You're telling me that you want us to allow somebody like you, who <laughs> clearly can't take care of that I, weapon properly, right. to be able to own that. Like you were making my argument for me. I mean, I and, know. Yeah, I know people who have arsenals of ar-15s but you know if they are respond but they also have large gun safes that they keep them in there and keep them locked and stored away and keep their ammo stored separately from the gun you know there's all these things about being a responsible gun ownership that that goes into being responsible gun ownership that's just kind of left up for the user to figure out that you know, I'm sorry, people are stupid. <laughs> you know, you you, th- you keep throwing things out there. Do, this, Donald Trump is president and somebody voted for them. I, that, exactly. that, that statement sticks. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, you, you throw, you know, people are going to use them wrong. I mean, you know, maybe if we had, I mean, and I guess this is talking more about uh, Beto's policy, but, you know, you know, there's all these types of things that we can um, do about this and what we could do to get this off. I mean, I know Beto's highlighted a lot, and this is one thing I really like the way um, uh, Beto crafts his uh, policy is that he doesn't just come out there and um, come up with a policy that this is the way I think we should do it and then push this on the rest of the nation. No, the way he does that is he sits down and he talks with people, he listens to people, he listens with their concerns, and he kind of I would say evolves his policies out of those conversations. Yeah, um, he's, he's met never with school stat- shooting survivors. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, a lot of this is came to, and then a lot of stuff that he has on here are, 
you know, these are the things that we have been fighting for forever. You know, universal background checks. I mean, would we talk ninety percent of the country wants it, or ninety five percent of the country wants it? Like. What's the, what's the holdup here? And there, we're going to get to the holdup here very, very shortly. Right. Everybody knows what the holdup is. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe we should jump ahead because, I mean, this is the point I was going to try and get to. Is like, yeah, he has some great – there's a lot of good ideas on here. And if we could pass what he has, this would probably be the most long, monumental gun control bill to ever get passed if we could get this. But, you know, we know why it's not. Um and the real reason is, you know, there's all these other things we could also be talking about as part of this. I mean, you know, I think Cory Booker pan about it, put a pan out about licensing and registration. Uh, you know, we could talk about putting out stuff about, uh, you know, mandatory training classes. I mean, there's all these other things we could talk about. You know, do we want to completely ban AR-15s? Or maybe if there was a system where there was licensing and registration and proper controls, certain individuals would be allowed to have it. You know, maybe that's a situation that's acceptable so the hobbyists can keep being hobbyists because they aren't, you know, I will be fair. Like the people who are the hobbyists aren't generally the ones who are do, doing the, the, the crazy stuff. It's usually the nut jobs, <laughs> really. So, you know... There's all these things that we need to be talking about, but we cannot have that national dialogue. And I think that's really where I think the entire frustration and and really what Beto's really kind of emoted over the last week is like, what the fuck, guys? Like all this is happening. We could be doing something. Here's five things that we know are popular that, you know, we know can we know can fix things. We aren't going to do anything about it because of Congress. We aren't going to do anything because of Mitch McConnell. Like, what the fuck? You know, this could we could we could do so much more, but we just are paralyzed. And I think that's really the real frustration more than anything else is the paralysis. Um, the paralysis that I mean, the NRA is the para, is the the real reason why we just can't even get anything done for um, whatever reason people really want that a plus rating from um the nra i mean when you have you know five million dollars of advertisement lined up against you if you say no they're gonna do it which is it, one of the reasons money in politics is a huge issue oh a hundred percent and mm-hmm. and is as, as, as bad as the nra is they and we can throw it out there like they're definitely they're they're bleeding they're they're circling mm-hmm. the, the the drain um, which don't like take solace in that because you don't want something like that to pop back up again. But when Donald Trump says, you know, we've done all these stuff, this is the things we want to do. I spoke with the NRA. If you have to say you you spoke with the NRA, that that is problem one. Mm-hmm. They have been the issue because they, they, you know, we have fought bullets with thoughts and prayers. Yes, and that's what they do. You know, they send out. Now is not the time to talk for gun reform. Now is not the time to talk for gun reform. Mm-hmm. You're going to politicize the murder of these people by talking about gun reform. And that's not really the case. They push that narrative. But people in America, and you can see it on both sides, are tired of dying because it's not just Democrats. It's not just Republicans. It's Americans. And now it's Mexicans, Germans, his, people of Hispanic back, backgrounds. Uh, it, it's 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 bad. And the, the NRA is, is the major, major issue here. Mm-hmm. It's... And my 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 grandfather, he likes to be funny. He's a, a Republican. He gives me a hard time. He asked me one day, he asked me uh, if I would sign up for the uh, an NRA magazine so he could get an NRA pocket knife. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Okay, just a mess. Well, I like to I like to throw that story NRA out there. Now, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Which, by the way, I did not do. Okay. Um, I, t- I told I told him if he wanted a pocket knife that I would maybe find him one on eBay where I don't give any money to people who kill children, which were my exact words yeah, to him. It's so frustrating because the NRA. I mean, I talk to gun owners. I talk to people, and they the NRA doesn't represent their views. It does. It's not. Not what, at all. It, it represents the what the gun manufacturers want you know exactly it's, it's, it's all about money yes and those big guns cost more yes and I that's mean, a problem it's it sh- all about money we should rename it the not a rifle association it's the arms seller association you know it's it's yeah it's they're arms dealers essentially they're, they're, spo- they're mouthpieces for gun, gun companies, and it's getting Americans killed, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of really, really good stuff, and I think a big part of that that does get um, – I, I think that the, the – at the, at the top are really, really using, and they're using it in the wrong way, is mental health is also an issue that needs to be, be partnered with this because, you know – you don't just wake up one day and say, hey, uh, I'm going to go to school and kill everybody. That's not a thing. Like, there's something wrong there. There are checks that people should be doing, and that's part of where these red flag laws are important because if we can flag somebody, maybe we can stop them not only from getting a gun and killing somebody. Maybe we can get that person the help that they need. Right. I mean the 51% of gun deaths are suicide. Oh, uh, yeah, the number's staggering. I mean, and, and if you have a gun and you're going to commit suicide, you're going to be successful. And that the statistics, you know, that, that instead we should be getting those people help. I mean, a lot of those are veterans, you know. Absolutely. You know, this is that that's a big that's a big red flag. I mean, yes, mental health is a bit, but it's so frustrating because, OK, we all I think we all agree that, you know, mental health issues are really not paid attention to much in this country they really aren't i mean we not have even so, a little bit we have so many things we can talk with about mental health um addiction how with it how it causes issues with our prison system how our prison systems are the largest provider of mental health care in this in the country um you know they just just go on and on about how we you know uh how they ended all the state hospitals and we're supposed to have these community health uh, treatment centers that just never appeared. I mean, like I say, you can just go on and on about all these issues with mental health and there is a very good reason to do this, but they use it as an excuse. As exactly. They don't do it. And that's kind of one of the problems when one of these um, things like El Paso happens. It really is like an intersection of a whole bunch of different issues. I mean, we could talk about white supremacy, but it's still going, but we're still, I mean, today's a two-year anniversary of uh, Charlottesville. You know, we had a white supremacist terrorist attack with a car that occurred. You know, that, you know, th- so we're not going to necessarily end white supremacy, but we address guns, we might be able to get the body count down, and we address mental health, maybe we can start identifying these people before they're radicalized. You know, same thing with mental health. You know, you can talk about, you know, people are still going to find ways to commit suicide, but at least you can make them not as successful and help remove some of those those triggers that can lead them up there. I mean, there's all these triggers that lead up to somebody to make that decision, and 
having the means is one of those, and a gun is a very obvious mean. If you remove that, maybe you can uh, start addressing that. So there's all these issues that intersect right here, and we just refuse to do anything on anything. We're not going to address mental health. We're not going to address gun control. And Donald Trump is still going to be up there spewing racist shit every day. You know, and that's the situation we currently live in. And that's why we really need a new type of politics and change us up. Absolutely. We need an absolute change in how we do everything yes. right now. It's, I mean, it's all, nothing is working. And, you know, Donald Trump going and it, when he said mental health, I went, oh no, mm-hmm. he's not taking, because I knew he wasn't taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. He was po- putting out a point so that, you know, he could say that he, uh, um, that he said it. And I know that because he followed that up with mental health and video games. <laughs> I... <laughs> Am and have been an avid video. I've been an avid video gamer my entire life. I mean, I might that have pictures of my mother playing Super Mario Brothers with me sitting at like two and three years old watching her play, mm-hmm. and then I picked up from there. And I can tell you, my favorite games games are the the Legend of Zelda games, and I'm also a really big fan of the Uncharted series. Um, while I am a historian, I have never gone anywhere and, and fought any kind of Nazis. I have never gone adventuring in the jungle or the woods. I've never gone looking for, you know, the lost city of El Dorado. None of that. Right? I've I video games are how I unwind. Exactly. That's They're same not way. what's a, motivating me to do stuff. Yeah. I, and 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 that is such it's such a cop out. And they use it every time. They use it after Columbine. They use it after Sandy Hook. And it's because nobody they, there's no understanding, and the older generation isn't paying attention, and they're not listening to us as kids. But I think that we're we're getting to the point where they're going to have to start because you see these kids from Parkland who started the March for Our Lives movement. Like mm-hmm. the young people are going to be the difference. They're really they really are. They're going to pick it. They're going to take us all. They're going to uh, take us to the next level. I hundred percent agree with that. Um. Uh, so I was going to say one of the um one of the things that really makes me proud of working with the Beto campaign is I uh, you know. After this last week, you know, campaign just kind of stopped campaigning. The local offices, instead of doing like block walks and stuff, we started organizing vigils um, and for El Paso. And so I attended the uh, Houston El Paso vigil, and I met some of the uh, the March for Our Lives organizers who are out there. And I can tell you, if the future is in their hands, the future is bright. I mean, I think they they are motivated. They are, you know, you can see. Bright eyes, clear heart, they are ready to go. And so I'm really, really hoping, um, you know, this is going to take everybody. You know, we're all in this together. It's going to take all of us to get out, and that means everybody. And so I'm really hoping that we don't just let apathy stick aside. I'm really hoping that people start becoming active sooner. Now's the time. You can't oh, wait. Yeah. You can't wait anymore. This, I mean, if you want to get involved, if you want to, you know, try and make change and try and push change, now's the time. There's no other time. Now is it. I mean, this is when the political season starts. This is when the primary starts. You know, what happened in the earlier summer, that's early campaign. You know, once summer's over, we're in campaign season. Iowa's was this week, um, you know. It's starting. So if you want to be involved and really want to make change, now's the time to make change. 
No, like we're literally battling and fighting for the soul of America. And and we you mentioned Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. That was I, I, that was in Virginia. That was three hours from me, and mm-hmm. like that that stayed in local news after the you know the 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 national news packed up their bags and went on to the next thing and you kind of see that seeing that with el paso but beto keeps bringing them back to it with what's going on he's like no guys you're 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 not going to go you're going to come here and we're going to talk about this right now before any more people die because it's not going to happen on my watch and i think that's really been one of the big things with him that's that's really impressed me and i've I've always been impressed by him since you know i found out who he was but it's really like it's next level type shit now and it's you know, we we have a problem in this country and we're not addressing it you know i've you you see a lot of focus on the on the ar15 and all of that but if you remember back to to columbine they didn't have automatic weapons mm-hmm. now they they did try to make bombs and those bombs thank god malfunctioned and the the body count was less as a result of that but you know we have to we have to take a full oh yeah look here and well the it, virginia it, tech it, shooter used handguns Mm-hmm. I know? knew people in that building. The valedictorian yes. of my high school that I went with jumped out of the second story window and walked out with a broken leg just to survive that. I was all day. I called people because I I, I I had only been out of high school two years. Yeah. I knew most of those people. I'm from a small town. I know the same I, thing you, here. You know like everybody. I, 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 when I was living in Virginia, when that happened, uh, and then I thought moved here, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that was my one shoot local shooting thing. And then I moved here, and Santa Fe shooting happened ten miles up the road. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's just it's it's persistent. It's got to stop. It's it, there was stop. There, there was a little girl somewhere that said, "When, not if." verbatim when not if it's not a when question or an if question anymore it's a when we had virginia beach which is 20 minutes from me um at the end of may charlottesville was a um was two years ago and nothing's changed nothing's changed nothing's changed that a fucking thing has changed and now you're right now is the time that we need to do that and so like Beto's plan for this because it's right now it's all verbal it's not actually on his website and he does have his little points and his talking points with it but he doesn't have a full fleshed out mm-hmm. uh, gun reform plan and I think with him the way he does it and he, his pace is because he likes to talk to people mm-hmm. and he wants to get everybody's opinion so my, and that's how it should be right I think my my, my personal theory is um, before the El Paso shooting if March for Our Lives put out a call for a seminar and Beto was the first one the mm-hmm. first one to jump on that seminar. And actually, they were using him to call out the other candidates to jump on. Now, after El Paso, obviously, everybody jumped on. I think his intention all along was really to go down there and listen to those kids and really make this a policy that's reflective of everybody. I mean, you know, we, you know, I, you know we, that's what I say. He's an evolving candidate. He's always been an evolving candidate. You know, you, I saw it in the Senate run where he would – you know, as he goes on and he talks to people, the questions he would get in the audience is what became a stump speech. You know, he doesn't have a standard stump speech. It just kind of keeps evolving. And I see the same thing happening here. You know, he's talking about, you know, getting getting the guns off of our streets. There's a million ways that we could go about doing that. You know, we got to pick a path. We also got to clear the path so we can have the conversation. I mean, it's, it's a two-part thing. You know, not only do we have to pick a path where we want to fight, but we also have to clear the NRA out of the way so we can get that. And that means 
That means voting them out is what it means. I mean, there's no exactly. other way of doing it but to vote them out. Um, and so that's where we're at right now. If you want to vote them out, now's the time to get active. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's this is the last few years have really motivated people to get out and say something. Donald Trump is trying to come here and um, I think it's towards the end of the month, maybe. Um, it might be later on because they're doing the 400th anniversary of you know slavery oh. coming to America. <laughs> it's a real thing, yeah. but I can tell you it's the it, they're it's going to be spun as the 400th anniversary of African Americans coming here. It's yeah. 400th anniversary of slaves coming here, and he's not going to mention that at all. And that's that's a problem mm-hmm. when he comes here. And I will, I'm, I can promise you, I'll take pictures. I will be there protesting. If I'm not at work, I am there because uh, I, I believe it's on a Saturday. But I just it's mind blowing, mind blowing stuff. It, we now's the time to get out and active. And I, I mentioned something about Thomas Jefferson earlier, because you always have people, you know, you're not going to take my Second Amendment rights. My Second Amendment rights are God given, which, by the way, God did not write the Bill of Rights. Nope. Let's go ahead and shoehorn that in there um you can argue that he wrote the 10 commandments he did not write the 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 bill of rights just because 10 and 10 is equal does not mean that 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 is what happened um it's this the second amendment was interpreted in the um jefferson administration this guy came to him because he was having problems with pirates Mm -hmm. and he wanted to put cannons on his boats and you know, he was like – he asked Jefferson and Jefferson's, well, well, yeah, the Second Amendment allows you to defend yourself, you know, with – with uh, by putting these cannons. You can have cannons and you can shoot and do all of this stuff because you need them to defend yourself. But here's the difference between a cannon in turn of the century, 1800, and an AR-15 in, you know – um 2019 do you know how long it takes to load a cannon even if you shoot a bunch of them also piracy not a big deal along the american coast so much also but the ar-15 is probably longer and more accurate <laughs> it far, would, you know, and and probably does it, 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 i mean i'm not gonna say it does more more damage um but because it I mean it's cannonball so you know Good luck with that one. <laughs> and, that, and that's one of the things that gets overlooked, you know, is the damage that an, an AR-15 does. And I remember reading something that one of the doctors who worked at the hospital that the Parkland students were transferred to. So I, from what my understanding is the, the bullet more or less tumbles top over. Mm-hmm. So instead of making like a straight in and out, like a nine millimeter would go straight through, it actually tumbles and it creates a cavity. And it pulverizes anything it hits. So they had cut open one of the one of the students um, that had been shot, and th- they were going to try to fix their liver, and their liver was gone. Mm-hmm. Your Second Amendment rights don't protect that. Exactly. That's not that's your Second Amendment rights end where my rights begin, and I have a right to my life more than you have a right to own an AR-15. I agree. Plain and simple. I agree. I mean, when you look at statistics, um, you know. Twenty percent of the of the shot of the people who are getting injured are accidents, accidental shooting. So it's just acceptable that I may be accidentally get shot, may accidentally have be paralyzed, may accidentally you know lose an arm. I mean, when we talk about you know I, I you know we keep talking, and that is a good point. You know, we keep talking about um, the deaths. You know, a hundred thousand people get injured every year from gun violence. You know, I think about this and I'm like, the if we were to put this in terms of war wounded, you know, 31,000 total combat veterans came back from Iraq. They were shot. 
they had gunshot wounds. Think about the amount of the amount of medical supplies and the med- and the the effort and care that we took it had to go through in order to make sure we aren't doing a great job, but make sure that we got them the care they needed. You know, all that all that work and the number of gun deaths explodes. That I mean, you think of all those families, all those communities. All those schools. I mean, that to me, a hundred thousand. That's a hundred thousand. You know, high school auditoriums who have kids sitting there and crying because their classmate died. You know, that, that's a hundred thousand. You know, people who have to recover from a gunshot wound, who may not be able to walk, who may not have full use of their arms or their legs, who may lose their kidney, or you know, like you said, lose their liver. It's like, and now have problems. I mean, these are not. You know, you're sick. Take a pill and go away. These, these, those hundred thousand people are still destroyed lives. Even if they're still alive, this they're destroyed lives. You know, their oh, life. Even was, if they didn't get hit, they're exactly. Even if they know the person, their life is forever altered by that. It, it completely devastates mm-hmm. the the entire community. I mm-hmm. mean, when, if you go, they tore. I believe they tore down Norris Hall over at Virginia Tech. But there's a and there's a big memorial out there. Like the that's what we're left with at the end when it's all over. Is all we've got is a statue, <laughs> and that doesn't fix how people feel. And you've got all of these people, and there's a support system. And that you always hear about is the club you don't want to be in. But those people take care of each other. But it's still really, really hard. And you just don't that's not, that's a number that doesn't like how many people were injured in las vegas like oh. i feel like that number was much higher than the the death toll now that that being said again with an ar-15 if you in a lot of cases if you get hits even if it's not direct you could still have a, a potential uh fatality mm-hmm. and in the would the the argument with the the battlefield you know you like you said you have thirty one thousand coming back um but you know, on the battlefield, they you have something we don't have in a middle school or a high school, yeah. and that's training. Like, if so, you, you, I'm sorry, your 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 uh, social studies teacher, your art teacher, is not trained to do any kind of work on you if you're dying in a classroom because you were mm-hmm. a shot. It, it's exactly. just that's that's out of our purview. Well, according to which Donald leads to Trump, more death. According to uh, my governor, the solution is to give you a gun. <laughs> As if yeah. that's going to make you safer. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because that's the biggest, dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I like, And, and I, I use myself because I'm actually a pretty good shot. But here's things that we don't that people don't think about. Here's what happens if you, if, if you arm a teacher. One, I have kids that are twice my size. I am 6'2", 220. They're twice my size. They could overpower me if they wanted that gun. I have teachers – I'm one of the bigger guys in the school, and if they wanted to overpower a lot of us, mm-hmm. they could. So that's that's problem one. Problem two, if there's actually an incident, there is going to be chaos. You're saying that I'm going to be able to use my gun to shoot a shooter in a hallway that may or may not be crowded, and then you're going to ask me to shoot a child in some cases – like that's that there there's mm-hmm. there, there's a definite a definite psychological thing there and even if you get past that now you've got police coming into a a room into a building where fucking everybody has guns exactly <laughs> how are they going to know who the shooter is <laughs> right you know, I, I mean <laughs> That's how you get somebody accidentally killed, and that's how you get collateral damage, and that's a problem. Even if you train them, I could have all the training in the world, right. and they don't even—they can't. 
they can't pay teachers enough. You expect us them to pay right. for us to have training? Our training will consist of an hour uh, PD after school. Um, and don't point it at your face. Make sure the safety. That's what it's going to be. That's yeah. not going to teach anybody to do anything. Right. And, 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 and that's it's a problem. And that's just in the shooting situation. I mean, like you said, just just the proximity of the gun in the classroom in general. I mean, you mean to tell me there's not going to be an accidental shot, an accidental kill? I mean, it's going to take like one five-year-old is going to get accidentally shot by that and everybody's going to realize how bad of an idea it is. But we all have killed a five-year-old in the process. At least I hope so. I don't know. After Sandy Hook, I don't have much hope. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a... And it's not even that because you have dumb teachers out there. Like mm-hmm. I, Just like you have any dumb people working any job, you're going to have that one teacher that wants to be the cool teacher and it's like, hey, you guys you guys want to see the gun? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, yeah. that's going to be a thing that happens. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, like, you can train these people all you want. Like, do not arm teachers. They're literally the last people that you want to have guns. We seem happy. We're not happy. Catch us, catch us June, July, and August, maybe. And really, I'm I'm kidding because you know I, I'm I'm very happy to be a teacher. There are some days that suck. Yeah, that's part of being a teacher, I think. Yeah, it's it's part of the whole thing, and just there's the ideas that are being put out from the people in charge right now are the wrong ideas. The people who are putting out good ideas are people like Beto, who's who's genuinely thought about. He's met with uh, shooting survivors. He's been doing it even before El Paso. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a lot of people trying to jump on and say they're doing certain certain things, but. Like literally, he he is the face of that movement right now, and I what I honestly my thought was um, that healthcare was going to be the real thing that decided this next election because I don't think that Medicare for all would be something that that's going to sway swing voters who do not want big government. That all changed with El Paso. It became about gun reform, racism, and Donald Trump. Exactly, exactly. And, and he even mentioned the same thing on. Um, when he got the news, uh, I don't know if you watched that clip. He was at a presidential forum in Las, in uh, Nevada. Yeah, he's in Ve- he was in Vegas. He was in they Vegas. told him uh, ten huh? minutes. I think I, I think they told him like five to ten minutes right. before, and they told him he didn't have to go on. He said, "No, no, I'm still going to go on." Like that that took balls. Yeah, uh, totally, totally. And I actually forgot what I was going to say on that one. <laughs> so you have to edit sorry, that out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving that in there. No, no, no. Oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Dude, it happens to me all the time. Sorry. I get like when when all that stuff was going down because I'm I'm actually also a social media volunteer, mm-hmm. which is why you see me push out so much stuff. And like when you send me things, I'll 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 boost them because that's part of what yeah. my job is. Like, and that's that's another thing. Like I I've been weirdly tapped into El Paso, so it was weird sitting like almost watching it through these people's eyes because i I know people there because of beto Mm o'rourke um and back to the las vegas thing what do you want him to do like what is he supposed to do there and i'm gonna go ahead and remind everybody that when september 11th happened george book bush continued reading well i think something about puppies but you know i mean like oh yeah it was like like the the seven minute stare the seven second stare where you just kind of stared off into space. I, just um, what would you want him to do? Well, I mean, I think Beto has put on a master class of what to do. Oh, I mean, 100%. I mean, there, there has never been any 
not even a little bit of break. I mean, from immediately going out there and, you know, you know, sitting through that form and answering those questions, but also, you know, very passionately talking about this, immediately going back. Um, I heard a story about how on the way back he, 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 he met somebody who was traveling back because he had a family member who uh, was injured, and so they actually ended up sharing a car to the hospital. Um, you know, just just those little stories that you hear from him, um, you know, doing all these little local events, you know, walking across and talking to uh, the uh, to the Mexicos to Mexico, um, you know, doing the little fundraiser for the soccer team, uh, doing the march for one of the local activist groups there, um, you know, just doing all these little things for the community and 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 emoting their voice and i think that's what's really uh stuck with me is you know he he's tapped into the voice of el paso and i think really what everybody else is feeling that this just isn't acceptable you know we're out here talking about you know marginal tax rates and we're out here talking about health care and uh you know different things and you know we we got to realize that we're we're facing something bigger like this isn't a kitchen table election this is donald trump we're talking about here you know we might have been able to get away saying that in 2016 but after the last four years it's pretty apparent what we're dealing with here there's no excuses there's no excuses to sit this one out and sit on the sidelines you got to get up there and you have to vote and you have to be could be counted Exactly, and we're we're at a we're at a crossroads in American history, and and you know this somebody I heard somebody call this a cold civil war, and that is one hundred percent a pretty accurate assessment of it, um, you know. But right now we need um, we've got to do something, uh, you know. It's, we have to. Yes. I'm tired of I'm tired of waking up and seeing more people dead, and a lot of Americans are at that point, and that's I think that's where the the change is going to be, and I, that is why I think gun control and gun control reform, and all of that, and we can tie immigration into that because of what happened in El Paso. Those are going to be the cruxes of what changes, and that's going to be the where the the lines the battle that's where the battle lines have been crossed, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, that's about all the all the time we have. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Like you've been fantastic. Thank like, you just for absolutely me. stellar. Hey, um, I'm gonna go ahead and plug you because you're gonna come back and do the veterans episode with correct. me as well, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you definitely have have brought something something special to the show, so I definitely want to thank you for uh, coming on and for everybody else who's listening. Don't forget, you need to you can get out, donate, volunteer, wear your shirts, guys. We got to be pushing this another big thing um that uh that that you need to remember is we need to make sure we're getting him on the ballot um and uh that that's important because you can't vote for him if he's not on your ballot so that that's an extra piece that people aren't thinking about in a lot of states you've got a lot of time in states like mine in virginia we're uh, like in, in virginia we're working on it right now um but for this episode um i'm your host chris and uh keep on looking ahead to better days.